0: When you're Mayor Walsh, and you have maybe five minutes to yourself. It's just really difficult to take in 80 to 100 metrics that are flashing across your screen on a series of dashboards.
1: Welcome to Data Masters. I'm Anthony Dayton, Chief Product Officer at Tamer. My guest today is Stephanie Costalivo, Chief Data Officer for the City of Boston. Stephanie leads the city's efforts to use data to make government more effective and deliver better outcomes for constituents. Stephanie took a nonlinear path to the chief data officer role, and you'll hear about that journey. She considered becoming a political science professor at one point. She was an analyst for the city of Somerville before joining the city of Boston as an analyst and eventually becoming chief data officer. Stephanie will also talk about the various projects she's worked on, including Boston's CityScore initiative, what opportunities arise when government data silos are broken down, and the tangible connection between her work and data. Stephanie, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Data Masters.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So, maybe we could begin a little bit with with actually with your career path, because uh, you've been amazingly successful as you've moved from Somerville to Boston and now as chief data officer. Um, perhaps you could share with the audience your journey and you know maybe imagine some of our listeners are aspiring chief data officers themselves. What could they learn from your career history?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first thing I would say is that I I never expected to be in this line of work. If you had asked me in, in high school or even college, um, chief data officer positions, especially in government, didn't really exist while I was in, in school. So so I, I think I'm I'm very fortunate to have found my way here, um, but it was perhaps a, a non-traditional or, or non-linear path. Um, I studied political science as an undergrad And um, towards the end of my undergraduate career, had some faculty reach out to me and say that they thought that I might be a good candidate for postgraduate study in political science to ultimately become a political science professor. Um, So after I graduated from UMass, I went to George Washington University to start a PhD program. And I was really fortunate to, in addition to getting a, a, a great political science education to be in a program that had a, a really heavy quantitative methods and econometrics component as well. Um, so I got a really solid educational foundation in how to use data to answer questions, um, particularly in a, in a social science type context. Um, and just over the course of my, of my PhD studies, I reached a point where I realized I really wanted to have more of a connection between my work and its impact on the world around me. Um, I I wanted something that felt more tangible. And I was fortunate enough to, um, to find a position working for the city of Somerville as an analyst. And from that point on, I was just absolutely hooked on local government. Um, in in my mind, it's one of the best places to be able to experience that tangible connection between your work and its impact. Everything is about working to improve your community and the services that are pri- provided to yourself and your neighbors, right? Like you, you know, you are kind of um, benefiting and experiencing what all of your constituents are. Um, and so you can kind of learn through your experience of moving throughout your community and, and draw on that and see where there are opportunities to perhaps make changes and improvements that will then affect others. And it's really easy to draw a line between what you do in your job to what you see happening outside of city hall, um, you know, on the streets. And, and that's just a really fantastic feeling.
1: It's the, I love this idea of uh, the tangible nature of of the work because you know at, at some level data isn't tangible at all. It's a totally ephemeral, and and yet you've been able to create this connection between this ephemeral idea of data and this very tangible uh, experience of your day to day life, living somewhere, being a part of a city, and and the services uh, that it provides. And it strikes me that the city of Boston in particular, and, and especially in your role, uh, leading data initiatives there is in a way it's, the city's also grown up in terms of how it's used data. Uh, and you've been a big part of that and, and, and your career has been a big beneficiary of that. Maybe you could share a little bit about, uh, in your time at, at the city of Boston, how their relationship with data and how they see it affecting, uh, citizen lives in that really tangible way, how that's changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think another really key point of, of my professional story is is just lucky timing. Um, so um, when I started working in local government in these more data-driven roles, um, you know, data-driven decision-making in government, particularly in, in local government, was still relatively new. Um, and, you know, so you really just, you know, I had this really wide open you know, blank piece of paper in front of me. There, there really wasn't a, a playbook to follow, um, or, you know, or, you know, sort of a, a particular path, um, that, that things needed to, um, to progress on. Um, and so it provided a lot of, of opportunity, um, to advance fairly quickly within, within this field. Um, and, you know, and I think, what really made sense for for me in this work is that what so many cities and towns need right now or or you know what what Boston has needed over the last few years is someone who understands the you know the business case and the value proposition of data and how it can be used to make the city more efficient and improve services Rather than you know someone with perhaps a more traditional computer science background, right? Like so, that is not me by a long shot, right? I don't I don't have that more traditional technical background. Um, uh, my background is is much more functional and focused on on sort of the outward facing um, components of of using data. And so you know my hope in this role is that I can help shift the culture and practice of data driven data-driven decision-making in Boston to the point where five to 10 years from now, you know, I I kind of work myself out of a job, right? And I'm no longer the right person for this role and can hand over the reins to someone um, who can take the team even further from from a technical standpoint. But I really feel like you need to have a solid foundation and strong buy-in across the organization before you're able to... Be truly successful on that deeper technical um, work. Um, and, and, and that's not to say we haven't made great strides from a technical standpoint. We've implemented the city's first centralized data warehouse and have really focused on building out our, our in-house data engineering capacity as a team, which is is quite unique for, um, for municipal data analytics teams in particular. Um, so we've been doing that work, you know, this whole time. Um, but in terms of, of what the leadership strategy for the team looks like, um, I, I you know I think what um, what Boston needs right now and, and what most government um, CDO positions need right now is someone who can who can make the business case for for why data is important and how it can be helpful across the organization.
1: Well, I think that's a an important point, point. Uh, and I agree with you. Many city governments would benefit. From taking that sort of value-driven approach to thinking about data. But I'm sure our listeners would agree that that's probably true uh, across many different domains. Uh, Almost every business uh, would benefit from thinking about their data-driven initiatives from a value perspective. Um, And I think everyone probably can also empathize with this feeling of not having a playbook and not having um, a, you know, starting with a, a blank sheet of paper. Many organizations are quite immature as they as they handle sort of this deluge of data that they create, um, and thinking through how to get value uh, out of that data and um, how to bring that data together, how to how to figure out how to break down those data silos. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, you could share um, from your perspective, especially from this perspective of data sitting in silos, less from a technical perspective, as you point out, more from the value perspective some of the value that you've seen in Bo- boston where you can break those silos down bring in data together that wasn't previously brought together um, and then show that value uh you know within the government and also back to you know the constituents
0: yeah absolutely i think a really great example of of all of that is the work that the analytics team has done to support the city in the implementation of, um, it's relatively recent short-term rental ordinance. Um, so for a little bit of, of background context, um, the city passed an ordinance that, um, that imposed regulations on short-term rentals. So what people commonly, you know, just refer to as, as Airbnbs, but there are, there are a number of, of companies in this space, um, because of the impact that it was having on our, on our housing, um, and our, and our rental, um, uh, rental prices, um, in the city. Um, and so our work started before the ordinance was, was developed in working with our department of neighborhood development to see what we could do to quantify the impact that short-term rentals were having on our housing market. Um, and we were able to, um, to demonstrate that the, Growth of short-term rentals was increasing rental prices, decreasing available housing stock, um, and really contributing to an overall, um, you know, housing stock shortage and 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 housing instability um, that the entire uh, greater Boston region is is really struggling with right now. Um, but then, when it came to implementing this, this ordinance, it's been really, really interesting because data is so critical to every aspect of the implementation and enforcement of this ordinance um, in a way that, that I have never experienced before. Um, so to just give you a, a few examples of the work that we had to do um, to, to make this happen, and, and specifically to speak to, to your, your question about silos... So we had to create from scratch an eligibility data set. So what this was, um, was an interpretation. It was a data interpretation of all of the criteria that were laid out in this ordinance for which residential properties could or could not be um, eligible to to register as short-term rentals. And so we had to combine many different data sources that had never been linked Together before, so we needed information from our assessing data that told us um, that gave us information on on the characteristics of a given property. Um, was it a single family home? Is it an apartment building? Is it a condo? How many uh, how many units does it have? All of these things um, were were relevant to determining eligibility. Um, in addition, we needed to link up other data sources um, from, uh, you know, from like our our code enforcement data set. Because if you had had, you know, if you have an open code enforcement violation or have had more than three violations within the past six months, um, you are no longer eligible to be an active short-term rental. Um, And so there were five or six of these core data sets that we needed to link together. And what we ultimately created was an eligibility data set for every single residential housing unit in the city um, that would tell you whether or not that unit was eligible to be a short-term rental and for which type of registration it was eligible for. Um, And that data is all up on Analyze Boston, which is our open data portal. And so it's shared with the public. But also through Analyze Boston, it's shared with Inspectional Services. And Inspectional Services is using this data every single day as they're reviewing applications for short-term rental licenses. It's one of the first checks that they do to see if a property is is eligible or not. Um, Now, ISD has the ability to override this data if a homeowner is able to provide proof that um, that our initial assessment was was incorrect, um, but it's been really foundational to being able to evaluate and and register applicants for these um, these new um, license types. Um, so, it's- no, I think
1: that's that's it's uh, really fascinating because I think what you're what you're sharing there. I mean, this is something that uh, everybody can really empathize with. This idea of creating change. Uh, Not only within the city of Boston, but actually within the whole community about how we think about the the both the positives of short term rentals, but also potentially some of those hidden costs and those hidden those costs are hidden in those those disparate data that, to your point, have never been brought together. And I think there's also another really fascinating uh, side to the story, which is that you're sharing the results of that analysis publicly like in a very open and public way. And, and maybe that's something you could you could share a little bit with. I think, especially for commercial organizations, they don't often think this way about taking data, making it publicly available. Um, but as a government, uh, especially when accountable to its constituents, you think about that in a very different way. And maybe that's something worth, worth sharing, that difference.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I've enjoyed most about doing data work in government is that we, we don't have this concern or, or pressure over protecting, um, you know, IP or a bottom line, right? Um, and so we're able to be much more open about the work that we do. And and I would say this takes two main forms. So the first, as you mentioned, is, is open data. Um, so we run Analyze Boston at data.boston.gov, um, which has over 150 data sets um, that anyone is is welcome to explore, analyze, visualize, etc. And um, you know we're constantly looking to to add more data there. And so, I, you know, I think generally that's just a really great tool. Um, that's part of the city's commitment to to being open and transparent about. City services and and you know what the city is is doing. Um, so you're able to look up assessing information. You can take a look at all of the open um, open building permits. You can um, you know you can analyze all of the requests, the non emergency requests that come in through our three one one system. So it really gives you the opportunity to um, you know to dig into the the nuts and bolts of what's happening behind the scenes in the city, um, and then the other thing that we do is we collaborate with other cities and and other government agencies, and you know and again it's great that we don't have to be concerned about you know protecting a bottom line, um, and and we have the opportunity to be really open and and share with other communities either something that we did that we found really effective and just want others to know about or vice versa to, to be able to, um, you know, to replicate great great work that other cities have done. Um, and, and that sharing is, is really a, a core part of, of what we do and, and allows us to avoid having to, to reinvent the wheel because local governments across the, the country, while they might look somewhat different in inform, we face a lot of the same common challenges. And so, you know, there's a lot that we can learn from one another um, and and a lot of additional time, effort and money that we can save by, you know, by sharing what, you know, what works and um, and yeah, just not starting from scratch every time we face a new a new challenge.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think something certainly the private sector could learn uh, there as well, There's sort of like, there's more that makes us the same than that makes us different. And that, uh, by sharing the data and the insights that you gain from it, uh, you could potentially drive uh, significant value inside the, the organization. And it strikes me that, um, uh, city score is another good, uh, example of that, uh, a way of, um, creating that accountability between, uh, government and the constituents and also sharing, uh, between uh, between cities, between uh, and also you know, between government agencies, uh, the how effective the city is being at providing services, um, and again strikes me as something that's very different about the way you approach the task and, and the work uh, as chief data officer at City of Boston versus how we might think about a, a chief data officer in a commercial enterprise. You're literally taking your performance management dashboards. And publishing them for the world. Uh, maybe you could share a little bit about uh, about well, maybe maybe first share what is CityScore since not everyone may know, um, and then also just how you think about that differently because it's so public and so um, and there and so valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so CityScore was actually the first project that I worked on as an analyst. Um, I was assigned it uh, my first day. Back in 2015, so CityScore has nice. been it's sort quite, of like the,
1: the first day job. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so CityScore has been one of the the you know most um, consistent and and constant things throughout my my tenure here in in Boston, which um, which is kind of cool. Um, but at the end of the day, what CityScore is is a a you know performance metric, performance indicator platform that is really designed for um, you know, for a mayoral and executive um, level. And, you know, what it does is it, um, it normalizes the, um, a, a series of metrics across lots of different government functions and scores them and then aggregates that score for different time periods. So you'll, you'll have a score for the day, the previous week, the previous month, and the previous quarter. Um, and so, you know, so ha- it functions as a high level indicator tool for the mayor and, and cabinet chiefs to be able to have an at a glance way of, of assessing how well the city is doing across a variety of, of indicators. Um, and, and that was sort of the the initial ask from the mayor's office. It was very open ended, um, but they wanted a way to be able to quickly assess how well the city was doing on any given day. Um, we have, you know, hundreds of performance metrics um, across all of the departments in the city. And, and we have developed a lot of dashboards that, you know, that present them. And the mayor has those on his dashboard. But when you're Mayor Walsh and you have maybe five minutes to yourself in your office, you know, on a good day, right? Right. Um, it's just really difficult to take in 80 to 100 metrics that are flashing across your screen on a series of dashboards. Like those are, are really great for the cabinet chiefs and the department heads who, who lead that work. Um, but you know, even for those of us that work in performance management, it's a lot to keep track of, okay, how is this metric defined? What is the target? So does, you know, is 80% good? Is, is 80% bad? Um, And, and so what we wanted to do was, was create something that would really quickly and easily allow anyone to know, okay, this metric is, is doing well, this one, you know, maybe needs some attention. Um, So that was the, that was the intention um, behind, city score. And so in addition to having that on on the mayor's dashboard, so he has a series of screens in his office um, with with rotating dashboards with um, various metrics and and data visualizations that allow him to to stay up to date with what's happening across the city. We also publish city score on boston.gov at boston.gov slash city score. So anyone that goes to that site can see the exact same data that the mayor is seeing at Time um, and so it's it's both a an internal performance management tool, but the hope was also that through external engagement from the from the public, um, that it could be an accountability tool as well.
1: Again, I think that's that's amazing, and I think again for for people thinking about the challenge of uh, creating accountability inside an organization, again, I think you have that. Problem times two. You need to create accountability uh, within city government, but also between city government and those con- and its uh, and the public. Um, and I think it's a really exciting and bold initiative uh, to take that those metrics. I, I think it's actually t- uh, really fascinating that that the mayor looks at the same metrics that I can go to you know to to the city website and go find that, that those two things are the same. Uh, creates a, a tremendous sense of alignment and and a common purpose between uh, government uh, and and the citizens so edgy on that using that idea uh, and maybe to link your work today back to your academic background I know you studied uh, really this linkage between data and democracy political science and democracy Um Do you maybe share some thoughts about, uh, in your perspective, about how your approach to data, to open data, to creating accountability, uh, maybe operates at a in a broader sense to create democratic institutions and break down uh, some of the strife we see in the world uh, with non accountable governments?
0: Yeah, no, it's a really great question. Um, You know, I think the most obvious place that this is happening is as we we discussed earlier um, through open data um, and and so you know it's a it's a great tool for transparency we get a lot of engagement with our open data from from the public particularly from the academic community um, students are, are frequently using analyze Boston to um, to do projects through their through their coursework. Academic researchers are, are using it in their in their research and in their publications. Um, so we get a lot of great engagement, particularly from, um, from the academic community, I would say. Um, although we we do get questions. So our, you, can, you can submit questions to us through our open data portal. And I would say we get, you know, at least a handful of questions um, about open data every single week um, from just average constituents who are who are curious about about what they're finding um, and so but I think what's interesting um, um, at that point is there's there's two components I think that you need for open data to be truly effective and and have the potential to be transformative so access and availability, is really important and that's the first step the data has to be there it has to be publicly available um, But then the the second part is data literacy. So you know I think there's a reason that we see most of our engagement with open data coming from the academic community um, They are they are the ones that are often the most prepared and and have the, the right skills to be able to leverage the data that we make accessible. Um, so, I think for for open data to you know to really become um, you know more of this force for transparency and accountability, we need to see an increase in in data le- literacy across the general population. Um, and there's sort of two things that that our team has has done in this area to try and move the needle there. So, um, you know, our open data portal has existed since 2012. It just went through a major revamp in 2017, and we are still working to improve the documentation and the context that's provided with our data to make it more readily usable, right? You uh, You need to have all of the surrounding context of a data set to know what the fields mean and how you should be using it, and how it relates back to either the services or the business processes um, that that generate it. And so there's there's a lot of work still to still to come from us on improving that documentation and just um, you know packaging the data sets in a more usable way. Uh, another thing that we've done. So I'm going to blank on my dates here because. The years kind of blurred together, but I want to say it was around 2018. Um, we did a partnership with um, the Emerson Engagement Lab to create an online course for librarians in particular um, to teach them how to become data ambassadors. So this course was all built around Analyze Boston and was designed to help librarians, particularly in the in the Boston Public Library system, but I think there were university librarians and Boston public school librarians involved as well. But to teach them uh, more about open data and how it can be seen as, as just another um, research resource that librarians can point their constituents to when, when they come to the libraries and, and how they can help um, their patrons leverage open data as you know they're trying to to answer questions about the city Um, and so that was sort of a a pilot that we did it was really successful and you know i think we're hoping in the future to um to build out that type of programming in a more robust way and and to also um, start training internal city staff um, on on those practices as well
1: I think that's uh, totally fascinating because I think that w- what you point out is it's not just enough to throw the data out there, uh, but you need to give people the tools to make meaning of that data. Uh, documentation, education are obviously really important dimensions of that and clearly investments uh, that you and the city have made, and, and that's great. Um, I wonder also if um, the siloed nature of government Contributes to that challenge. I mean, if you think about it, governments by their nature are very siloed. Boston is a is a sort of standalone unit compared to Massachusetts, which is a standalone unit compared to the United States, which is a standalone unit compared to the world. You know, these are sort of natural silos. We we, we naturally create uh, silos uh, within our our governments. Um, but I wonder if there's also sort of a, a burgeoning opportunity to make meaning out of the data that. The uh, in your case, the city of Boston's collecting by sort of breaking those silos down and thinking about how we resolve and reconcile data between departments. You think about within the city, but also between cities, between the city and the and the uh, federal government. Um, and maybe maybe you could comment a little bit on your view the, of the cost or impact of not having data reconciled. Uh, between these silos might have what opportunities might exist if we could break those silos?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, that government just tends to uh, to be siloed. Um, that is that is you know not unique. I think at in any particular geographical yeah. region, <laughs> <or whatever laughs>
1: certainly commercial organizations would yeah. suffer from this as well.
0: Yeah, um, and so you know I think what was really great. Um, when Mayor Walsh created the analytics team um, in 2015, we were the citywide analytics team. And and I think that citywide was chosen for a reason. Um, the intent was to signal that we would work across all departments to try and break down these silos and, um, and be proactive in bringing data together to help create as, as rich a picture of what's going on in Boston as possible. Um, and, and I would say there's, there's sort of a functional component of this and a, and a technology component. So, you know, sometimes there, you know, there's a disconnect between people or programs. And, um, you know, when someone just isn't aware that there's information in another team or another department, that could be helpful to the work that they're trying to do. So sometimes it's just a lack of awareness um, of of what's out there, and then sometimes people are actively trying to share their data, but the technology that they're working um, working with makes it really challenging. So there's there's definitely a technology modernization component to all of this as well. Um, and and I would say you know one of the one of the most Significant projects that our team has taken on, um, you know, really isn't. It's it's more of a back end project, right? Um, so it, a couple of years ago, we launched the city's first centralized data warehouse, which is managed by our team, and that was really our first step in working to ultimately resolve these types of of issues of data siloization in particular. And so we continue to get access to more and more data from across the city and we keep it in our warehouse and it gives us the ability to join data together that would otherwise be separate, right? I think that short-term rental project is a great example of of how you can leverage data from from multiple departments to create this um, this more complete picture of, of what's happening on the ground in the city.
1: Yeah, silos uh, naturally sort of create barriers between data and, and the work you're doing is really breaking that down.
0: Yes, exactly. I think another um, another key area that we're focused on in in this context is on um, addressing. So um, depending and, and just in general data quality. So, you know, depending on, you know, the, the application or system that data is being entered into, um, and and you know, sometimes depending on the individual that's doing that data entry, you could see, you know, up to, you know, not up to, you could see a handful or or ten different ways of, of spelling out the same address and and sometimes the systems that we have are not sophisticated enough to to reconcile and to and to match those. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work to, to clean up our addressing data, um, and, and really standardize it as well as to put some, um, some data processes, some functions in place that allow us to do better, better matching of inconsistent, um, addresses, as well as in some cases names, you know, so if we're, we're talking about, you know, being able to match, um. Property owners across multiple systems that um, that has really improved our ability to get a complete picture of of what's going on in the city and in terms of, of costs or, or opportunity for value, um, you know what what that allows us to do is um, is to uh, you know make sure that we are issuing um, issuing permits or. Um, code enforcement violations to the correct address and the correct owner, which increases the likelihood that those things get get paid, right? Um, and so there there can be a very um, a very real financial impact to right,
1: a very real and direct benefit to to, to matching and quality uh, of the data. Absolutely, uh, but the, I think to your point, there's a tremendous amount of value not only when you bring data together, but then as you bring that data together, you realize potentially the quality of that data isn't what you thought, and there's a need and, and value in in cleaning it up. Absolutely. So I know we're we're out of time, and uh, uh, I want to thank uh, thank our guest uh, Stephanie Castellibo, uh, Chief Data Officer for the city of Boston. Uh, I also want to thank you for your your work. You're you're adding a huge amount of value to the city of Boston and making it as a as a resident of, of said city, <laughs> I personally value and appreciate the work that you're doing.
0: Great. Thank you Anthony. It was really great.